Praise the Lord. <laughs> Take your Bible, everybody. Turn with me, if you will, this morning to the book of Mark, chapter 6. And I'm excited today to be able to gather around the Word of God with you. Uh, as we do that, I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to become our teacher. And I've already been praying today that the Lord would open up our hearts that we might have understanding, we'll open up our ears, that we might hear the Word of God, and that it'll be more than just another sermon. Can I be perfectly honest with you today? I'm really not interested in just hearing another sermon, <laughs> but I am interested in encountering the Lord. I am interested in God writing His Word upon my heart, and I am interested in becoming more like Jesus. And that's what this series is all about. That's why we're calling it Just Jesus, because that's who we're focusing upon. We're looking at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, his works, his miracles, uh, the way he interacted with people, the way he uh, worked in his day in the ministry that God anointed him uh, for. And we're asking the Lord to help us be more like him. I told the first service that I have no interest in patterning my life after some rich mogul on Madison Avenue or some sports icon or some uh, uh, famous uh, singer or celebrity. No, I want to pattern my life after Jesus Christ, my Lord. And I know you feel the same way. It's why you're here today. It's why you have your Bible. And it's why we are doing this study. Today, we're going to look at one of the great miracles that our Lord performed. And we're going to look at some things in here I hope will be uh, a blessing to you. I hope the Holy Spirit will uh, teach you some things today. And I hope that all of us will leave here just a little more like Jesus than we were when we came. Today, we're looking at the miracle of Jesus walking on the water. Anybody here ever walked on water? Would you come up and testify right now? <laughs> you know, every year I take, uh, not every year, but many, many times, uh, I've taken people to Israel and we go on trips. As a matter of fact, we have another one planned now for uh, February 2023. And if you've never been to the Holy Land, it's a great pilgrimage. It's life-changing, really. And maybe you can go with us next time. But every time we go, we always uh, take a boat. We go out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And we stop the boat. And I read this story that I'm about to read to you right now. And uh, after I read it, I say to the, to the crowd there, sometimes there's 50 or 40 or ever how many there are there with us. I'll say, now... Uh, here we are on the same Sea of Galilee that Jesus walked on and that Peter walked on. And so right now, any of you who have faith enough, uh, I'm going to help you over to the side of the boat and you're going to walk on water. Just line up right here, all right? And so far in all the trips that I've taken to Israel, about 14 or so, nobody's ever, nobody's ever got in line. But that's not the end of the story. Guess what? I've been on every one of those trips myself, and I never got in line. <laughs> because for somebody to walk on water, how many of you believe that is a miracle? Amen? It's a miracle. So let's read about it right now. Would you stand with me, everyone? It's Mark chapter 6. We're going to begin reading at verse 45. 
Here's what thus saith the Lord. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. And they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you for your word. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you will do something I confess I cannot do. I pray that you will become our teacher, and that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will write these truths upon our hearts so that today we will have insight into you and the way you work in our lives. And today we will become a little more like you than we've ever been before. And we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated and the Lord bless you as you are. Now, there are several things in this story I'd like for us to see today, but I want to make sure that we understand that uh, Jesus is, is trying to say something to his disciples here, and it's the same thing he's trying to say to the world today, and they didn't get it. We know that because it says right here in the text, and it says, for they did not understand about the loaves. They were astounded because they did not understand about the loaves. Now, he's referring, of course, to the miracle that had just happened. Uh, this is right on the heels of what we preached on last week. Remember last Sunday, we talked about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus took five loaves and two fish. That's all he had, five loaves and two fish. And from those five loaves and two fish, he worked a miracle. And he multiplied uh, the bread and the fish so that over 5,000 people were fed and they had 12 basketfuls left over. But now here we're in another story of a miracle, but uh, uh, Mark ties in the former story. He said they were astounded because they didn't understand about the loaves. And what they didn't understand was what Jesus was trying to get across to them is that Jesus is God. That's the point. That's what Jesus was trying to show them. That's what he's trying to show them when he took five loaves and two fish and multiplied them and fed over 5,000 people. That's what he tried to show them when he came to them walking on the water there on the Sea of Galilee. He's trying to reveal to them his deity, reveal to his followers who he really is. 
and they were struggling with it. They were having trouble with it. There are people today that have trouble getting their mind around this idea that Jesus was literally God come in the flesh. But that's what Jesus was saying to them. And of course, the overriding uh, principle in both stories is that with God, nothing is impossible, all right? Feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, walking on the Sea of Galilee, with God, nothing is impossible. How many of you believe that here this morning, that with God, nothing is impossible? And so that's the, the overriding story in both these miracles. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Jesus said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Say that with me. With God, all things are possible. And so if you're here today and you are facing uh, difficulties, if you're here today and you're facing a challenge, if you're here today and you're under attack, uh, I hope that this story will encourage you and strengthen you to understand that with God, nothing is impossible. And if he can feed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, if he can walk on the water, then he can meet your needs according to his riches and glory. Can you say amen? And so that's the overriding message of this story. But it goes a little deeper than that. And we want to dig a little deeper today because what Jesus is doing now, he's been walking with these men. Uh, they've seen him work miracles. Uh, they're learning about him. And now he is revealing to them his deity, who he is. And they were struggling with that. And people still struggle with that today. Matter of fact, in our text, it said they, they didn't understand about the loss. What did they not understand? Well, they still didn't get the fact. I mean, they did understand, like we said last week, that Jesus uh, could multiply the bread. But what they didn't get was he is the bread of life that would be broken so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be forgiven. Uh, they did believe that Jesus was a man who had power, but what they didn't get yet was Jesus wasn't just someone who had power. Jesus was the power of God. He, he is the power of God. And they believed that Jesus was from God and came from God, but they didn't yet believe that he was God Almighty. And so Jesus is revealing his deity to his disciples. And later we know that they did get it because they write in their writings, of course, those who did, uh, that Jesus, of course, is very much God. And so Jesus wanted to show them that. Now, I want you to notice in the text that it said that he intended to walk by them, all right? That when he, when he, when he uh, walked out there on the water, uh, what he intended to do was walk by them. But when they saw him, they thought he was a ghost, how many of you in this room today believe in ghosts? Raise your hand. All right. Some do, some don't. Well, let me tell you something. I don't know if you believe in ghosts or not, but there's one thing I do know. 
They did. <laughs> they believed in ghosts. How do I know that? Because the Bible says when they saw Jesus walking on the water, the first thing that came to their mind was, look, a ghost. They thought it was a ghost. And they were terrified. They were afraid, as you would be if you saw what? A ghost. <laughs> you would be terrified. Now, uh, so they thought Jesus was a ghost. So what he wanted to do is just walk by them and let them see him walking on the water. But they had a panic attack. <laughs> they were terrified. <laughs> they thought they saw a ghost. And what he didn't want to do is convinced them that there were ghosts out there walking on the Sea of Galilee. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't want them to go away with that idea, okay? And so he broke the original plan, which was just to walk by them, and he went ahead and walked up. And first he had Peter come to him. We'll see that in another account. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a minute if we have a, if we have a chance. Uh, but it didn't say it in this account, but this particular miracle, as we mentioned last week, uh, if you want to know the whole story, uh, when something happens in the life of Jesus, then you, in the Gospels, you have to read all the accounts, right? And so if it's, if it's in more than one Gospel, you want to read them all so that you can get the whole story. This particular miracle is recorded in three of the Gospels. Mark records it, Matthew records it, and John records it. Well, in Matthew's uh, telling of this story, he tells about Peter, how that Peter got out of the boat and walked to Jesus. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And so Jesus changed what he originally wanted to do. But what he originally wanted to do, the Bible says, is he intended just to walk by them. Now, why did Jesus want to do that? Well, we said earlier, he's wanting to show them what? His deity, right? That he is God. So look at Exodus chapter 33. And I want to show you a story in the life of Moses. Moses is having his encounter with God. And the Bible says in verse 18 that Moses said, please show me your glory. So Moses says to God, please show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. So God couldn't just reveal himself to Moses face to face like he did Adam in the garden. Why? Because Moses uh, had the sin nature passed down from Adam, and so he couldn't see God face to face. Uh, but God said, here's what I'll do. I will pass by you. And as I pass by you, then you'll be aware of my glory. And so what Jesus was wanting to do is like God did with Moses, he wanted to do with his followers and he wanted to walk on the water and just walk past them. But because they had a panic attack, then he went ahead and got in the boat with them. But he's trying to show his deity. Now, why do we believe that Jesus is God? Well, it's very simple, uh, but very complex in the same way. Because I will tell you this, uh, you will never in your lifetime be able to completely comprehend God. He's too big, all right? You can't dissect God like you did a frog in seventh grade biology, all right? And learn all there is to know about God. He's too big for that. 
God is bigger than your ability to comprehend him. He always has been, always will be. And so I, I, you know, I wished I could just put a diagram up here and, and, and in such a way that I could show you who God is and how he operates and, and the wonders of God so that you would say, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's God. Of course, that makes perfect sense. I get it. But I can't do that <laughs> because God, his ways are beyond our ways. And God is bigger than you'll ever be able to comprehend. That's why you can't accept God academically. You can't accept God by understanding all there is to know about him. You have to accept him by faith believing. That's how you accept God. Because you'll never understand all there is to know about God. He's too big. Uh, all right, he, he's too one. So you have to accept him. Even though you don't understand everything about him, you have to accept him in faith believing. Say that with me. In faith believing. And so here... Uh, we know that Jesus is, of course, deity because the word tells us that. And by the way, our forefathers, those who came before us in this church uh, in the third century, uh, people were still struggling with this thing. The disciples struggled with it. <laughs> they didn't understand the loaves. And for centuries, people were trying to get their minds around. They were trying to understand this thing of God, one God and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. People say, I don't understand that. Well, of course you don't understand it. Uh, God's uh, more complex than we can comprehend. That's why you can't accept him academically. You have to accept him by faith, believing. And our belief is founded upon what the Word of God says about who God is. In the third century, there was a man named Arius from Alexandria, and he began to teach that Jesus was created by God. That he wasn't the creator, but he was created by God, and God created Jesus to die on the cross and pay for our sins. And our early church fathers knew that that teaching was not in alignment with the writings. Now, they didn't have the canon of the Bible like you have in your lap today, but they did have the writings and the scriptures, and they, and they were beginning to formulate the canon in the third century. And so they had the scriptures, they had the writings, they knew what was given of God and anointed of God, and they knew this teaching wasn't in alignment. So they all got together in Nicenia, and which is in uh, modern-day Turkey, and they had a great meeting, and they got all the writings out and all the scriptures out, and the church fathers went over the scriptures, went over them, and they talked and they debated, and they finally came up with what they believe the Bible says about Jesus, and it's in the Nicene Creed. And basically it says this. I don't have time to read it uh, because it's, it's, it's rather long. But basically here's what it says. There is one God. Say that with me. One God. And he is in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And these three are one God. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are, in the words of the Nicene Creed, very God 
a very God. <laughs> so there's no doubt. There's no doubt what the Bible says. Now, why did they come up? And by the way, uh, we still base our theology upon the Nicene Creed today because it came from the Word. Now, what does the Bible, your Bible, say about Jesus? This is what Jesus was trying to, to convince his followers of. It's important that you know who I am, all right? I wasn't just created by God. I'm not just a prophet, although I am a prophet. Uh, I'm not just a miracle worker, although I am a miracle worker. I am God come in the flesh. Very important that they understood that. Very important that we understand it. All right. Why? Well, first of all, uh, Jesus himself claimed that he was God. All right. Take your Bible, turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 9, Jesus said this. Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. That's what Jesus said. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And so Jesus claimed to be deity. He claimed to be God come in the flesh. And then we also know it because uh, the Bible's crystal clear that Jesus participated in creating everything that was created. So Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't created. He participated in creating everything that was created. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul writing to the church of Colossia, he's saying to them the same thing Jesus was saying to his disciples. Here's what he said. Colossians 1, 16. For by him, talking about Jesus, all things were created. Say all. So he says, so by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. <laughs> Does that cover everything? Is there anything left out there? Everything on earth, everything in heaven, everything visible and everything invisible. I think that just about covers everything, don't you? And so here it says that Jesus created heaven, everything in heaven, everything in earth, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, say all things. All things were created through him and for him. So we accept God for who he is by faith, believing because the word of God declares it. You say, but I can't understand it. Of course you can't understand it. <laughs> You're never going to be able to understand God. I mean, I can't even understand how the computer works. How am I going to understand God? I can't even figure out the internet. I, I, I wish I had all the hours back I've spent in my lifetime trying to figure out the stupid internet. Sometimes I have it. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I can get it. Sometimes I can't. And I'm telling you, there are days when I want to take my computer and throw it into the Gulf of Mexico and just be done with the whole thing and take my little iPad here, throw it in with it and just go back to the old fashioned when we just all brought our Bibles <laughs> and that's the way we did it. And there's sometimes, because listen, I can't figure it all out. If I can't even figure out the internet, how am I going to figure out the creator of the universe? And so we accept him by faith, believing but our faith is based on what the Word of God says. Amen? 
what the Word of God says. Let's go further, okay? We said that Christ participated in creation. John, and by the way, John is one of the ones in the boat that saw Jesus walking on the water that did not understand the loaves. <laughs> so John didn't understand what Jesus was trying to say, that he is God come in the flesh, but later he does understand it. How do you know? Because he wrote it. And he wrote it in John chapter one and verse two, he said this, all things were made by him and without him was nothing made that was made. And so who is God? Well, that's what Jesus was trying to show them. God is one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And these three are one God. And that's what the Bible declares. First, God the Father. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. First book of the Bible. First chapter in the first book of the Bible. First verse in the first chapter in the first book of the Bible, all right? So this is something God's going to establish right away. Here's what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. Remember when I read to you, it said that Jesus created everything in heaven, everything in earth, everything visible, everything invisible. God created the heaven and the earth. So that's God the Father. And then there's God the Son. In John chapter 1, and he said, I'll read it again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Say that with me. The Word was God. And then in verse 14, it said, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God come in the flesh. Jesus came as a man to die on the cross for our sins. That's who he is. And John bears it out. And then in Hebrews chapter one, verse three, the son reflects God's own glory and everything about him represents God exactly. He sustains the universe. Who does this? The son. He sustains the universe by his mighty power and his command. After he died to cleanse us from our sin, he sat down at a place of honor, the right hand of the majesty of God in heaven. You say, I don't understand that. Welcome to the club. But we accept it by faith, believing, because that's what the Word says. You see what I'm saying? And then there's God the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, Jesus said, I will ask the Father. He will give you another counselor or comforter to be with you forever. So listen to this. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. Right now, the Spirit of God is living on the inside of you, but he's also the Spirit of Christ. And so when the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you, guess what? Jesus comes to live on the inside of you. And when Jesus comes to live on the inside of you, guess what? God lives on the inside of you. And that's why I'm not afraid of death. And that's why I'm not afraid of the devil because there's a great big God living on the inside of me. And that's why I'm not afraid of the devil, but he better be afraid of me. Not because I'm Randy, not because I'm a preacher, because God Almighty, the creator of the universe who spoke the worlds into existence lives in me. 
And that's why I'm not afraid of the devil. And that's why he can't take authority over me, but I can take authority over him. And he can't tell me what to do, but I can tell him what to do. And so it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so God wants us to understand that about him. And when we understand that about him, then we know him. Oh, by the way, there's one more scripture. I just have to read this. And I want to talk a minute about Peter before we go. But turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, because the important things the Bible says plainly. All right? Now, there are some things the Bible doesn't say plainly. You have to study the Word and the Holy Spirit will reveal to your heart what the Word is saying. And, you know, there are some things. Like, but the important things, <laughs> like this, the Bible says plainly. So, I ask you this question. Does it get any plainer than this? 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. Are you ready? Here's what it says. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are what? One. Say it with me. These three are one. And that is who Jesus is. And that's what he was trying to say to his disciples when he came walking on the water to reveal his deity, to reveal his glory to them. But I want you to show you something just before our time's almost gone. But just before we leave today, there's another part of the story that I just don't want to miss. All right. Because it's so powerful. And that is in the record of Matthew. It doesn't say it here in Mark, but in Matthew's record of the same account, the same event. And you'll find it in Matthew chapter 14. Turn over there. All right. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew's given the same account. But he, he, he adds something that happened that Mark didn't mention. Here's what he says in verse 28. And Peter said to the Lord. Now, remember the story? They saw Jesus walking on the water, right? They all thought that he was a what? Ghost. And they were all terrified, all right? And then Jesus saw that. And he didn't want them to leave the experience thinking there are ghosts out there walking on the Sea of Galilee. He wanted them to leave there thinking that he is deity, all right, that he can walk on water. And so he said, wait a minute, don't be afraid. It's me, it is I, don't be afraid. And when he said that, Peter didn't believe him. <laughs> doesn't that sound just like Peter? <laughs> I mean, God says something to him and he doesn't believe him, all right? How do you know that? Because look in Matthew chapter 14, 18. Then Peter said, he said, it is I, it's Jesus. Don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter says, Lord, if it is you, if you're not a ghost, <laughs> if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Let me walk on water. I think you're a ghost. The Bible already said that. And I'm afraid, said that. Jesus said, I'm not a ghost, it's Jesus. Don't be afraid. And Peter said, wait a minute. If it really is you, <laughs> prove it. Let me walk on the water. And Jesus said to him, and I'm paraphrasing now, if you've got the faith, I've got the time. That's basically what I say to everybody on the Sea of Galilee when I take them to Israel. I stop the boat and I say, okay, if you've got the faith, we've got the time. Step out. 
no takers so far. <laughs> but Jesus said to him, one word, it's beautiful. He says, come, bring it on. Come on out. So Peter got out of the boat. Now I want you to look at something. Who got out of the boat? Peter. Notice what it doesn't say. God put Peter in a trance. Boom! And he levitated him high into the air. And he brought him out over the water. And he lowered him down upon the water. And Peter in his trance, God lifted up one foot and put it down on the water. And then God lifted up his other foot. And it doesn't say that, does it? Who got out of the boat? Peter did. Peter made up his mind. It was an act of his will. He did it. He stepped out of the boat. And then it said that he walked toward Jesus. Who did that? Peter did that. Peter. Sorry, he did it of his own will. He chose to do it. Could he have chosen to stay in the boat? He could have chose to do that. But Peter walked on water. Peter did. I've never done it. You've never done it. After the second service, somebody came up to me and said, I've walked on water. I said, well, why didn't, you, why didn't you say something in the service? I said, when did you walk on water? He said, well, I took my kids ice skating and we went out there and it was, seemed nice and solid and I just walked right out there on it. I said, smart aleck. But Peter walked on the water that day. But I want you to see that it was an act of his will. He did it. But who kept him from sinking? Jesus kept him from sinking. <laughs> and then follow the story on. What happened to Peter? As long as he was looking at Jesus, as long as he had his eyes on Jesus, he was doing it, man. He was walking. Can you imagine? He was walking on the water. Peter walking on the water. But then all of a sudden, he took his eyes off Jesus and the Bible says he began to look at the winds and the waves. And when he took his eyes off Jesus and started looking at the danger, the problem, the challenge, the difficulty, the attack, what happened to him? What does it say? He began to sink. He began to sink. And I want you to get that today. There's a miracle out there for you. You can't work the miracle. God will work the miracle. But sometimes you've got to get out of the boat. Sometimes you've got to make up your mind, I am going to walk to Jesus. Don't worry about drowning. He'll, he'll take care of you. Peter walked on the water, but Peter did the walking. Maybe there's somebody listening online or somebody in this room and for years the Lord has been laying a ministry on your heart or telling you to get involved in a ministry here at GT Church or something to help people and you've been like those other disciples. You've stayed in the boat because you're afraid. You're afraid. You can almost hear the devil screaming at you. You can't walk on water. You can't do this. But Peter stepped out of the boat. And maybe today the Lord's saying to you, it's time for you to step out of the boat. 
a miracle's waiting on you just on the other side of the boat. <laughs> There's a miracle waiting on you just on the other side of the boat. Step out. Do what God's called you to do. Be what God's called you to be. There's one more thing. My time's gone. But I want you to see this because maybe there's somebody here that's a bless. When Peter started looking at his problems, instead of looking at the solution to his problems, who is Jesus, what happened to him? He began to sink. And when he began to sink, what does the Bible say that he did? All right, here's what he did. He said, Oh God, my most gracious heavenly Father, I pray that thou this day will look kindly upon your humble servant. And I pray that thou, O God, who can do all things, will deliver me from this tempest. Uh, and, uh, is that what Peter did? No. Listen to this. When you're sinking, there's no room for religion. No room for religion. When you're in trouble, you don't need religion. Religion's not going to help you, all right? Here's what Peter did when he started sinking and the water got up where it looked like he was going to drown. Here's what he did. Help me! Help me. Jesus. I'm drowning. Help me. It's not very religious. But it was from his heart. He cried out for help. And what did Jesus do? What he always does when somebody cries out for help. He reached his loving, miraculous, water walking, blind healing, Crippled healing, deaf healing, feed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, miracle working hand. And he grabbed Peter and he lifted him up out of the water and he saved him that day because Peter cried out for help. Maybe you're here today and you're sinking. You're going through something. Maybe you're watching online and the water is now right up around your chest and is rising and you need help. Religion's not going to help you, friend. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is call out, ask him for help, and like he did Peter, he'll save you. He saved Peter 2,000 years ago. He'll save you today. You say, I don't know how to pray. Listen, you don't need to know how to pray. All you need to know how to do is say, help me. Help me. Jesus will read your heart loud and clear. And right where you're at, you can have your sins forgiven. And the miracle worker will save you like he did Peter 2,000 years ago. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. And Lord, they didn't get it then, they did later, but we get it. We know that you are 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus, God, come in the flesh to save our souls. And we know that you're the miracle worker. But Lord, if there's anybody in this room or anybody watching online right now, and they're sinking, they're sinking in sin, they're sinking in their circumstances, I pray you'll tune into their heart right now and read them loud and clear. Friend, if you need the Lord this morning, just in your heart right now, just whisper a prayer. Just help me, Lord. Help me. Save me. Save me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. Bring me into your family. I surrender myself to you. I surrender myself to you today. Just whisper that prayer to the Lord. He's listening. He's tuning in to you. Now say thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I receive you today in Jesus' name. Congregation, would you stand to your feet, everyone standing? I'm going to ask all of my prayer leaders to come and stand across the front of this building today and prepare to serve this congregation. We're going to end this service today with a great altar call. If you're here and you need prayer for anything that you're going through, it'll be our pleasure today to pray for you, to pray with you. And uh, just line up all across your folks and let people see that you're here ready to serve them. And in a moment when we close this service, if you want prayer, you come on down here and let us pray for you. Or if you just want to spend some time in prayer, these altars are open for as long as you would like to pray. But before we leave this house today, uh, how many of you get it today? That you can't understand it, you can't dissect him, you can't really figure it out. But by faith believing, you know that we serve God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and that Jesus was God come in the flesh to pay the price for your sins. And you'd like to say thank you to him for it. Lift your hands right now and just give him thanks. Lord, we thank you. We get it. <laughs> and we bless you. And we praise you. And we give you honor today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Before you leave this place, I'd like to speak a blessing over you and over your family. If you'd like to receive this from the Lord, lift both hands toward heaven to show your faith in him. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord place his name upon you. The Lord bless your life. If you receive that, clap your hands and give God praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord.